Well, good morning. My name is Philip Brand. I'm the pastor here. And if you're visiting with us, I'm glad that you're with us this morning. Um, I met a couple people that are visiting, so that is, that is awesome. Um, it's Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend, yeah. Yeah. Do what? No work on Monday. Yeah. Good. That, that's good. I'm not working on Monday either. Whole staff's taking the day off. We're not going to labor on Labor Day. I don't know why we don't celebrate Labor Day by laboring. It, it, it's Labor You know what I'm saying? Like, why don't we do that? Okay. But nonetheless, yeah, I, tomorrow, am going into my attic to bring down the fall decorations. Right? Everybody, who's excited about fall? I am. Yep. I need a, a little bit more light in the room so I can see people. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited about fall. I love to decorate our house for, for, um, for the fall. Actually, what I do is I put the stuff where I remember that Nicole had put it before. That, that's the way I decorate my house because she's very good at it. And so I just remember where she put everything and that's exactly where I put all the stuff that we have for fall. So very excited. Chicken stews are in the fall, right? fires outside like a fire feels good in the fall like in the summer i don't understand these people that have fire in the summer it's just too hot but nonetheless in the fall and then you know the fair if you're going to do that i don't know you might be mad might not be mad but the fair as well is in town so anyway nonetheless that's that i would like you to turn in your bibles to second Thess- no first thessalonians chapter two. First thessalonians chapter two and we're going to begin reading with verse 11. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 is where we're at this morning. This is actually part two of why we do what we do. And we started it last week. We're going to finish it up this week. So part two of why we do what we do. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. Verse 11. <clears throat> and this is what it says. For you know how, like a father... With his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you. So let's just stop right there a minute. Before in the passage, and if you remember remember from last week, he said that like a mother, he was gentle and caring toward them. And now he's saying, like a father, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you. So I just want to pause for a moment and say there's a difference between a mother and a father. A mother, a mother is more gentle generally than the father is. In fact, in normally, that's the way it is. And the father isn't as gentle. In fact, sometimes I have these conversations with people that are married that say that um, the guy will say, hey, she is too gentle with the children. And she will say, he's a little too sharp with the children, right? And so you have that tension. I'm here to tell you that that's normal. The the lady is just more gentle with the children. She knows knows when the child is sick, holds them in her arms, does all kinds of stuff like that. The guy is a little sharper, a little rigid. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care. It just means he's different. He's different. Now, you might be sitting here and you're thinking, well, and you're a lady. Well, I'm the one that's rigid at the family, and my husband is the one that's more gentle. Well, you're a freak of nature. (laughs) 
um, that, that's, that's, just, that's just an oddity there. It's just different. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you. That's just odd. That's just different. There's not many people like that. Generally speaking, the guy's the one that's more rigid and imparts wisdom and instruction and calling. And the, and the mother nurtures. That, that's just the way it happens. So here he's saying, like a father who would pull his children aside and give them wisdom and direction, that is what I was to you when I was there. So, for you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you. So, the exhorted is calling you to do something, is the Greek word. So, they were calling them to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and then he exhorted them, or he called them to share the gospel with everybody around and be the church. So there's certain things that Paul called them to do. Those are a few of them. So we called you to do something, and we encouraged you. Now, that particular word encouraged is is not just like, I encourage you, good job, you won, awesome. It's not that. It's an encouragement that has attached to it like a comfort and a consoling. It's basically this. It's when you thought you couldn't do something and your father came around you and said, hey, you can do that. I had a father that was that way. My dad told me my entire life. In fact, he's still telling me to this day. He said, Philip, if you put your mind to anything, you can do it because you're a brand. You're a brand. You can do anything you want to do. You can accomplish what is in front of you. You can accomplish it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I can't build stuff. And I can't swim, and I can't do other, other things like that. Like, I can't do that. But here's what I can do. I can hire a plumber. I can hire a builder, right? So you can accomplish things. So my dad was always saying, you're a brand. You can figure out how to do it, even if you have to call somebody to help you out with that particular project. You can accomplish anything. So dads do that. So it's a comfort. You, you feel like, oh, I just can't do it, just can't do it. And your dad comes in and says, yes, you can. You can do this, and I'm going to help you with it. That's, that's basically what, he is, what is happening here. So encouraged you and charged you. So what is he calling them to do? What is, what is he saying that they can do? I am encouraging you and charging you, it says in verse 12, to walk in a manner worthy of God. Walk in a manner worthy of God. If there has ever been a bar that was way too high, it's that one. When you are charged to walk in a manner worthy of God, it almost seems like you cannot do that. You cannot walk in a manner worthy of God. That is a high reach. That's a high bar. It's not down here. You can't just trip over it. It's not in the middle like you can grab a hold of it and jump over it. It is way up high. So how in the world can I, how can, in the world can you walk in a manner worthy of God? I don't know if you've ever done this on Google, like when you're, you know, when you have a daughter that decides to start dating somebody that you don't know. Google is a great reconnaissance tool. You type in said name and you can find out certain things about that particular individual. Like you can stalk them for a little bit, right? You can do the same thing on Facebook. If they don't have the privacy settings on, you can stalk them on Facebook, Instagram, the whole deal, and you can see their pictures and what they're doing, and you can kind of like get some background information because there are some weird guys out there that you don't want your daughter to date. And then there's the good ones, right? 
So Google, you can Google anybody's name in here. You can find out certain information about people in here and some things that people don't want you to know, okay? If you are currently to Google my name, there's three Philip Brands. One lives in Greensboro, North Carolina. He is 84 years old. I've been receiving his AARP mail my entire life, okay? All, my entire life. But he, he lives there. That is my father. There's another Philip Andrew Brand. I'm a Philip Andrew Brand. There's another Philip Andrew Brand. And we used to work at the same place. We used to work at American Express. Now, when I worked at American Express, I was doing a different job than the other Philip Andrew Brand. Didn't know he existed. What I was doing was I had a headset on and people would call in and then I would give them a code. That's how credit cards used to work, right? And I would say, okay, A47. Had no clue what A47 was, but it popped up on the screen. I was the one that said A47 and then went on with life. It was such a mundane job that I played chess with the person next to me all three hours. Like we had multiple games of chess, moving chess around A59, A99, you know, that sort of deal and playing chess. It was just a mundane job. One day I was there and I was working, playing my little game of chess and a lady that was important because of the way she was dressed and two security guards came up to my little cubicle and asked me to step away from the computer and the chair and they began to ask me questions. And I answered the questions and the lady from my answers looked at the two security guards and said, this isn't him. Obviously, I was too stupid to be who they were looking for. The guy they were looking for was stealing from the company. And so there was another Philip Brand in a higher level of American Express that they were trying to find. And so they left my little cubicle and they found him. They arrested him and he was convicted and he was thrown in jail. So there is a Philip Andrew Brand that's thrown in jail that isn't me because obviously I'm not in jail currently. I'm right here with you and he is in jail paying his dues to mankind. Nonetheless, you can Google and you can find out things about people. You can find out them on Facebook, right? But there's another thing that you and I have that is better than Google, that's better than Facebook, that's better than any social media, and it's our minds. And every now and then when we're in our vehicles and we're driving somewhere and we're alone, or we wake up in the middle of the night and we, we get up and, and we walk in for a drink of water, or, or whatever we walk in for, or we're just laying there, but basically we're alone, or we're mowing our yard, our mind will start Googling all the things that we've done wrong in this life. And at times, those tapes play over and over and over again because everybody in this room has read in their ledger, and everybody in this room has stuff that they have done that they wish nobody or they don't want anybody to ever know that they actually participated in those things. Everybody in this room is that way. We're human. We have stuff. We don't want people to know that we did those particular things. And so we play those in our minds. And when they play in our minds, we feel ashamed and worthless and unworthy. Unworthy to, be, to have the family that we have, unworthy to have the church that we have, unworthy to have the, the job that we have, unworthy to be a servant of God. We feel that in our hearts because that Googles in our mind. And you have Paul saying to a group of people that's just like you and me, that has the same, same thing going on in their mind. Like I've done a lot of stuff. I have read in my ledger. I have a lot of stuff that I've done wrong. And he's saying, look, I am encouraging you. I'm exhorting you that you can live worthy of God. He's telling these people this. 
And in the back of our minds, we're thinking, no, 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 we can't. And then one level beyond that is God. Like, you know things that you've done wrong, and those are things that you have done wrong. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. But God knows things, get this, that you have done wrong that you don't even know that you did them wrong. Do you know that that's possible? For you to do something wrong that you didn't know that was wrong, but God knows it's wrong. And he knows all of that. In fact, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 11 says this. It says, even hell holds no secrets from God. Do you think he can't read human hearts? So Paul saying, I'm exhorting you to walk worthy. He's telling a group of people that are like, I know I'm not worthy, and God knows I'm not worthy. But God, for some reason, keeps telling his people that they can walk worthy of him, that they can live lives that are worthy of God. And he started this long before 1 Thessalonians. In the Bible, in in Proverbs chapter 3, it says these words, and it's wisdom. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. This verse is saying that you and I can live in such a way that our feet will not stumble, and we can live in such a way that we can walk worthy of God. How in the world is that possible? How in the world is that possible? Well, let's unpack that for a few moments, okay? And to unpack that, I thought maybe we would go back to the Old Testament, to two characters that actually walked with God in perfection in a garden, and that's Adam and Eve. So in the garden, at the cool of the evening, God the Father always came down, and he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, and they talked. Now, I don't know what they talked about, but I know... Well, I don't know. I I would assume that they asked God questions and God answered those questions or God was like, well, the humans need to know this because they're brand new to this thing. And so he would teach them things. One thing that we know that he said to them was that there's this garden and there's one tree in the garden and you are not supposed to eat of that tree. We know that. We know that he said that to them. And I don't know if he said it to them several times, but he said, do not eat of this tree, but you can have anything else in this world. You can eat anything else in this world. And so for a period of time, Adam and Eve obeyed that command of God. They were listening to his voice and his instruction. Another piece of instruction that God gave to Adam was, hey, this is what I want you to do. I created you to be um, creative. And so what I want you to do is I want you to name all these animals. So if you don't like a name of a particular animal, you can blame Adam. He named that animal. And so God was the one voice in their life. And when God was the one voice in their life, they walked with him and they walked worthy of the calling for which they were called. They walked worthy. But then, but then, something else entered into creation. A snake, according to Genesis chapter 3, entered and started talking to Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve started listening to a voice that wasn't God's. They listened to this voice. They listened to what it was saying. And this is what it basically told them. He said this, you're missing out. 
God knows that when you eat of the tree you're not supposed to eat of, you will be like God. So they're having these walks in the evening with God. And then there's a snake over here that is speaking to them. And he's saying, look, look, you, he's telling you not to eat of this tree because if you eat of the tree, you will be like God. That's what he's saying. And they begin to listen to that voice. The interesting thing about this, to me, one of the many interesting things about this, is that Adam and Eve were already like God. They were created in his image. Notice Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him, male and female. They were already like God. They wasn't exactly like him, no, but they were already like him. He created them that way. And I have to believe, I mean, I, I believe, this is just me being, being kind of, you know, I'm, imagining this. I would imagine some of the conversations in the garden was, hey, I created you in my image. Because this is something that Adam and Eve passed on to their children. You and I are created in the image of God. The animals are not. The dog isn't. The cat isn't. Praise God. Right? We are all created in the image of God, and they pass it on through their generations, that particular truth. And so I have have to believe, I, I do believe, in a certain level, that God told them that or they wouldn't have known that. And so this, this snake is over here saying, no, 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 no. If you eat of this tree, you will be like God and you will be in his image. And it's at that point that they decided to listen to a voice that wasn't God. And as soon as they started to listen to another voice that wasn't God's was the moment that they failed. They ate of the tree and then immediately they knew that they were naked. Something happened. So they went and they hid themselves. And in the cool of the evening, Genesis 3 says, God came down for his normal walk and talk with Adam and Eve, his creation. And he said, "Um, Adam, I don't see you. You're not running out to me. Eve, you're not running out to meet me tonight. Where are you at? And they had hid themselves. And God asked him, why have you hidden yourself? And this was Adam's response. Wait, wait, go back. Sorry. Adam's response, well, we can say that. Adam's response was, I hid because I'm naked. And God said, God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you that? I didn't tell you that. There's no way you would have known that. Who told you you were naked? The question here is really, who are you listening to that isn't me? Who are you listening to that isn't me? And see, the moment that Adam and Eve decided not to listen to God is the moment that they were no longer walking worthy of God and they were ashamed, the scripture says. Who are you listening to? So my question to you is, who are you listening to? Because let me tell you, there are thousands and thousands of voices in this world that is telling you how to live that is contrary to the word of God. That is not the word of God. 
and they pull and they, and they pull at you and they want you to go in this direction and they're trying to get you to do things that are against scripture, that are against God's voice. They're trying to get you to live in a way that you're not supposed to live. They're trying to get you to live unworthy of God. And God is saying, no, listen to my voice. And if you listen to my voice, you can live worthy of me. We have got to quit listening to the voices. We've got to quit listening to the voices. If you have friends that are telling you to do things that are against Scripture, you do not do those things. If you have a media that you're listening to that's teaching you philosophies of the world and the world system that this is okay and this is how you love and, and this is how you interact with people and is giving you that sort of garbage, you quit listening to that. Listen, we never think it's garbage when we're listening to it and we're being sucked in by it, right? We, we never do. But when we hear it, we decide not to listen to that and we listen to God's voice alone. God's voice alone. Every other voice in this world is leading you astray. Every other one of them. And let me tell you, if I ever quit preaching the gospel, that is the moment that you should not listen to anything I say. The moment that our Bible teachers in these classrooms quit teaching the Bible is the moment that you quit listening to anything that they say. The moment that your friends quit speaking the truths of the scripture into your heart and your soul is the moment that you quit listening to them and you quit doing what they're trying to get you to do. You quit listening. You only listen to God and his word and him alone. Now, Yesterday, there was an exciting thing that happened at the pool that we're members of. Okay, very exciting thing. This happened. This thing hasn't happened in five years. It hasn't happened in five years. And my wife was there with my uh, brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, the three littles, and the two older ones. Right, my my family, my nie- my nieces, and my nephew were there. And um, Nicole decided to jump off the diving board, right? And so I have a video of it and just wanted to show it to you. This is a video of my wife jumping off the diving board. She made it, yeah, awesome. Hadn't happened in five years. Now, my nephew and the nieces were like, wow, Aunt Nicole's gonna jump off the diving board? Like they had never seen that before. And my brother-in-law was filming it, obviously, cause that's where I got the video. Cause let me tell you, I was not at the pool. Okay, not at the pool, nowhere near the pool. Well, I guess I was near it because my house is, yeah, anyway, never mind. I, it's in the neighborhood, nonetheless. I wasn't there and my sister-in-law and they were all excited about it. So she comes home and we're eating dinner, right? And Nicole is telling me about that and how excited everybody was. And, and, you know, everybody was just watching her. She wasn't saying this. I was doing this in my mind. Yeah, you were excited because everybody was watching you and you got some attention. That, that's why you were excited. And once she got finished with her story, I said, but you know what, Nicole? I bet I could one-up you. I bet I could one-up you on this one. If I was to go to the pool tomorrow, which is today, and go out on the diving board, and jump into the deep end, I guarantee you more people would know about that than your little dive that you just did yesterday, today. Why? Because I would be drowning once it happened. 
And let me tell you, if I ever decided to do that in my craziness, it would be the best dive ever, like backwards or something that I've never done in my entire life. And I would go down into the water and just hope that the lifeguards were watching. It would make the news. There would be people that were called 911 to come and help me breathe again. Um, it, it would make, you know, stupid dad decides to jump off the diving board. He cannot swim, right? Everybody would know about it. The whole, everybody would know about it. And I would get attention, right? I would get attention. Listen, one of the voices that is in your head right now is the voice of attention. I need attention. I want people to see me. I want to get people's attention. And if I do this, I will get people's attention. And sometimes, a lot of times, in fact, I would say all the time, when you're getting people's attention, it's for the wrong reasons. You're doing something stupid. You're doing something that probably is a sin, right, as well. And so you get people's attention because there is a shock factor. Do not listen to the voice of attention. Push that out and just listen to God's voice. Listen, if you walk worthy of God, you're going to get attention anyway. But the attention is going to be more on God than it is going to be on you, the way that you're living. So you, you get the attention. So what is God, what is God saying to you and I from this scripture this morning? What is he saying? Well, look at First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, we exhort each one of you and encourage you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. God is saying this when we've decided to listen to another voice. He's saying, hey, hey, the kingdom is this way, not that way. The kingdom is here. I want you to go here. I want you to live in my glory. I want you to live in the life of the kingdom. Quit doing that and come back over here to the kingdom. The call of God is to get you to live in the kingdom. And when you live the kingdom life, that is the moment that you are walking worthy of God. Come on. Listen, I know that a physical kingdom is coming one day where Jesus reigns, but the kingdom is also here now in us, the Bible says. And if we are going to walk worthy, we live the kingdom life right now. And Jesus is calling with his voice, Hey, kingdom this way, not that way. Come to me. Go this way. The kingdom is there. Live here not there. And he's constantly telling you that. You often don't hear it because if I can use the, you know, the swimming analogy where things are drowning, sometimes you jump off the deep end into sin and there's these little things called scripture references that are like trying to get to the surface, but they just can't because you're pushing them down to drown them out of your life with all the other voices that are telling you that the wrong that you're doing is okay. Are you tracking? You know, scripture verses are just trying to get there. You're just not allowing them to get there. You're in the deep end. And Jesus is the lifeguard on duty saying, get out of the deep end. The kingdom 
is on land because I created you to be on land and people shouldn't swim. He's not really saying it. The kingdom is this way. Um, <clears throat> has anybody ever had anybody say anything or post something on Facebook that was negative towards you? Have you ever done that? Yeah. 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 People. Negative right here. Sometimes they don't mention your name. Sometimes they just post it in such a way that you know that they're talking about you, and they know that they're, you know, you know right? So it's negative over here. Have you ever had somebody on Facebook or, or some social media post something very nice about you, right? Very nice about you. Yeah. Not, not so much. Maybe not. I've had some people, you know, do some very nice things. I've had some people, you know, say very nice things on this particular side. I've had some people say some very negative things on this side. You know what I know about both of those sides, the, the side that's very encouraging and the side that's very bad? This is what I know. Most of the bad isn't true, and most of the good isn't true either. We're reading a book in our leadership here at the church, and this is a quote from the back of it. It says this, one member told me to never slip into the mode of believing my press clippings. And to walk worthy, you cannot believe your press clippings. Someone thinks you're all that in a bag of barbecue potato chips. This is what you know. First of all, God did that. But second of all, some of that stuff that they are accrediting to you, you had nothing to do with. It, it, it's just not true. And some of the bad stuff that is said, if not all of it, that isn't true either. But what you know is you're walking worthy of God and what is in your heart. So you walk in the middle between the good and the bad press clippings. And that's how you walk worthy. Because in the middle is where you're focused on God rather than what people are saying about you. See, some of the voices in the world are saying you're all that and you try to be all that and you try to be something that you're not. Or you defend yourself against the bad knowing that maybe some of it's true, but maybe not all of it's true and all that. Well, it gets kind of confusing. Instead of doing the confusing route, just walk worthy and make sure that in your heart isn't what they're saying about you. And make sure that over here, this good stuff that they're saying about you isn't skewing your viewpoint of yourself to where you think you're better than you actually are. Walking worthy of God is walking worthy of him for his glory. And it's in the middle of your press clippings. Does this make sense? So you walk worthy. You listen to God's voice, not these other voices out here. This one can depress you and get you angry, and this one can make your head inflated. Neither one are healthy, but in the middle, where you're listening to God and walking worthy for him, that is healthy. So Second, First Thessalonians, keep saying second. First Thessalonians chapter 2 gives you a couple of ways that you can walk worthy of God. And I'm going to give this to you real quick. Here's how you walk. Telling the truth. God is saying, I want you to walk this way. I want you to tell the truth. Now in that, in that verse, they're accusing him of lying and deceiving and all that kind of stuff. But he's saying, no, I never lied. I never deceived you. I always told the truth. So to walk worthy, you tell the truth. Second, you live to please God and not man. That's found in chapter 2, verse 4. Live to please God. If you're living to please God, it doesn't matter what your press clippings are. You're living to please him. 
Next, living to help others, chapter 2, um, chapter two verse 5. Being gentle with people, chapter 2, verse 6. Caring for people as God would, chapter 2, verse 7. Never being a burden to people, chapter 2, verse 9. Never being a burden to people, but a help to people. That's how you live worthy of God. And then the fab three, that by the way is the foundation of integrity. It's found in verse 10. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy, righteous, and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. If we're going to walk worthy, we have to live a holy life. If we walk worthy, we're going to have to live righteous. It's going to have to be our goal. If it's unholy, we don't do it. That's not God's voice. If it's unrighteous, we don't do it. That is not God's voice. We live holy and we live righteous, and then we are blameless. Nobody can point fingers when we are living this way. The red ledger doesn't matter because we are trying to live holy and righteous in the right way so that we are blameless. So that we are blameless. That is how we are supposed to live. In a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Own kingdom and glory. Walk this way is what Paul is saying. Walk this way. Now, how many of you, when I said the phrase, walk this way, heard, walk this way? How many of you in here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Talk this way. Yeah, you, that's, that's what you heard. Let me tell you something. Every time God is telling you to walk this way, there is another voice that's running right alongside of it to say, no, no, no. Walk this way. And you have to choose which voice you're going to follow. You have to choose that. And I'm telling you to get rid of the walk this way and go with the gods. Walk this way. Walk this way. Yeah. So, finally, why do we do what we do? The answer to that question is because God called us to do it. God called us to do it. That is why we do what we do. We walk worthy because his voice has called us to take that path. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stage you've given us, and we thank you for this lesson from your word. Father, there's a lot of voices. There's a lot of voices. And if we're honest, some of the voices sound like you. It's not the ones that don't sound like you, that we know what we're doing is wrong if we decide to do it or if we decide not to do it because we know it's not you. It's the voices that just seem sweet and fair and pure that often deceives our heart into following those. I am sure that that snake in the garden did not sound evil. He sounded good. So, Father, what we're asking from you today is to help us to know the difference between your voice and a voice we shouldn't follow. That by the power of your Holy Spirit, that will be very clear to us. Next, Father, we ask you to forgive us of our sins times that we were unholy, the times that we were unrighteous, the times that 
not live a blameless life. Forgive us for that. We want to change. We want to live all the un- leave all the unholiness and unrighteousness behind. And we want to respond to your call to live in your kingdom, to live in your goal a living worthy of you in this life. Holy, righteous, and blameless. Now lift us up today, everybody in this room, everybody watching, everyone that's heard this message, that this week we'll constantly hear that in our minds, that we need to live holy, righteous, and blameless in a world that is totally the opposite. So we ask these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open for you if you need to talk to the Lord a little bit. It's open for you. I'm also here to pray with you. If you want to join our church today, I'm glad to do that. If you want to um, talk about salvation and how you can begin a relationship with Jesus, I'm here as well. So let's stand and sing.